Right. Well, welcome for those of you that are tuning in later to our webinar on Church as Family with the Creo Collective. Mike Gerald and I got Steve Marfia here joining me. Uh, Steve, welcome, man. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thanks, Mike. It's uh, just, uh, you know, recharging the tanks after an incredible week last week with our two day. It's good to be here. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, man, I was just inspired as, as uh, I think it's something that, that you shared or maybe someone from your team shared when we were together, um, just reminding us uh, about how Jesus, when he was confronted by his family, he said, who is my family? Who is, who is my family? Who is my mother, my brother, my sisters? And what he did is he enlarged the image of what it means to be a family to this larger picture of a big spiritual family. So maybe you could elaborate on that a little bit and your passion to view um, faith community as not just an event that you attend, um, some sort of program, but an actual family. What does that mean to you? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's in the end of Matthew chapter 12. Jesus um, just uh, alludes to the reality as his mom and brothers are attempting to grab his attention. He's like, yo, everyone that's here that obeys my father, those are those are my mothers and brothers and sisters. And he definitely raises the bar for what spiritual family really is and beyond the level of blood. Um, and the loyalty of blood is something that we often readily recognize as having an immense amount of value intrinsically within our lives. And yet what Jesus says is, Hey, your spiritual family is as far deeper, bigger, wider, further, and forever than even what blood uh, presents. Um, And that was Brandon was elaborating on that idea. He he did a great job um, participating with the team. Um, But yeah, I mean, we just, we've just experienced that so much of where uh, we as the people of God have the potential uh, to fall short in presenting great programs, great events, great gatherings, even good conversations, um, leaves open a a gap or a space for us as the people of God to be family. Uh, You know, one thing is I was processing through what I love about family is the sense of inherent value that I have around the table. I know when I screw up and fall short, my family won't turn their back on me or stab me in the back. Um, their heart and their effort is to get me back to the table at whatever reasonable means are necessary. And oftentimes unreasonable means as we saw our big and perfect uh, brother Jesus uh, go to extreme and unreasonable means to get all of us back to the table and uh, make more seats welcome for more family to join with us. And I think that just the nature and the, the, the center point or the heartbeat of the gospel uh, is present um, in that idea that grace uh, is so radical um, that it causes us to go to great lengths to establish and or maintain the unity of our relationships with one another, another above and beyond any other conflict or disagreement that exists. And I think as we look around the world, especially in a cultural moment with an immense amount of anxiety, tribalism, attention, um, coming off of these last two years of COVID, looking in the news media and seeing Ukraine and Russia and considering all the varying 
political opinions on that kind of thing. There, there is something beautiful and redeeming about a people um, who can share something so central and valuable to one another being Jesus is Lord, which is what we share with one another uh, that he being as beautiful, good and badass as he is keeps us connected and united and pursuing one another's good and loving one another. Even when everything within us wants to say to you, (laughs) even when we hurt one another. Um, And so I just, I just think that, yeah, like you were saying there, that uh, fam, church's family is an essential value that must be reclaimed by followers of Jesus in today's cultural moment. Uh, if we're going to help people not just see, but experience uh, the beauty of Jesus and his family. So there's yeah. a few thoughts off the top, Mike. What are you thinking about is even I say that. Yeah, I'm, I'm just thinking about how our, um, you know, what what people say whenever they reference the church sort of betrays what they think the church is i was talking to someone who i knew from the community that ended up connecting to our micro church they're hanging out around our table and they attend another sunday or they had attended another sunday gathering somewhere else and at the time when they said this they said um so we go to church over wherever right? They reference the church that they go to. And they said, we just come here because this is where we experience community. This is where we actually like process the scriptures together. This is where we pray. This is where we like try to figure out how we can reach other people. And this is where we use our gifts. So this is just the spot we do all that stuff over there is where we go to church. I'm just like, they described everything that a faith community is supposed to be when they described us. And then they said, but we go to church over there, which really meant we go to an event with people we don't know. We don't have a relationship with. We don't use our gifts alongside these people. We're not on mission with these people, right? We don't even know most of them. And so it's, it's fascinating to me what people think a church is. And if you, if you think of church as family, how, how well are we doing that? And you know, so what is, what is community and being a, a family together look like for you guys, Steve? How would you sort of describe what, what Christian family, uh, you know, what community as family looks like for you guys? Yeah. I mean, I I think it's essential that we start around the table. Um, We saw that at value exemplified in Acts and history of the early church certainly shows that when we come together to share a meal, the table is a great equalizer. We are all in need of uh, eating and drinking. So as we are all in need of Jesus and his grace. Um, So oftentimes gathering the church around our most essential needs um, and sharing in that need with one another um, levels the playing field and in a way that um, invites people towards vulnerability and openness. Um, and so at least for us in our context, I mean, we gather microchurches, most of ours are house to house. Um, and they often, they often share uh, food and drink together. Um, and it's in those environments that the unscripted, unscheduled, unprepared uh, relational conversations open up that usually lead to uh, growing in trust with one another. 
taking risks with one another, um, meeting one another's needs as needs become known, uh, begins to erupt. And we see the church become who the church was called to be. I mean, I love the definition even you just gave because it reclaims biblically what the church really is. Uh, so much beyond content consumption, which our culture has often, uh, you know, tended to redefine the church in that way. Um, so for us, it's really about gathering a people together around their common need for Jesus and his grace. And often that common need is correlated to simply sharing a meal or having a good drink. Um, and usually from there, Holy Spirit tends to work in ways that opens people up to one another's needs and the opportunity to love one another. I mean, it, it is clear that what is our what is the value of our faith if it doesn't ultimately lead to loving one another and bringing healing about in one another's lives uh, by seeing the wounds that we experience addressed. Um, and so even just even just recently, like we in our in our our church context have had some conflicts over uh, the years and months and. One of my uh, dear sisters, Mia, whom you got to meet over uh, the two day, um, she and I have, we both have robust and loud personalities. And sometimes, uh, you know, they've clashed at times. And the willingness to continue to come back to the table over and over and never give up on one another like Jesus never gave up on us allowed us to uh, come to not only a greater understanding with one another, but now we have a code word. We, it's pineapple. Uh, and so anywhere, anytime pineapple is thrown out when she and I are, are around one another, okay, we know we need to take an extra sensitive uh, look at ourselves. And then we also know we need to touch base with one another later that day or within a couple of days just to do a check-in on one another and go, okay, what happened? You know, did I say something ignorant or hurtful here that I may not have been aware of, you know, how can you help me become more aware um, of the things I'm doing and saying so that I can become a more loving person. Um, and that's just been one of the unique, you know, microcosm dynamics of becoming a, a spiritual family together that um, has worked itself out in our community. Hey, it looks like, uh, it looks like Chelsea also said here that she uses pineapple as a code <laughs> word for the same thing. Uh, um, that's awesome. Hey, the, the people in our microchurch alerted me to the fact that pineapple is a secret code for swingers. So I'd be careful with that. Oh, one, shoot. All right. We might and have it, to go back to the drawing table on that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, I'm, I'm going to answer. Uh, I'm going to answer Bart's question. And, and then I, I want to describe a little bit of church community for us too, before we go on to the next question, Bart. Yeah. asked why would they keep going to church i'm going to say this part um what i have yet to find and most of the people that are a part of what we're doing is people who have come to faith and you know through what we're doing here and i have yet to find someone who comes to faith through what we're doing that then starts looking for a large group gathering with a rock star presenter that they have no relationship with and a crowd of whom they don't know the people. Um, I have yet to find that. So when, when somebody is a part of, of something like that, it's usually they grew up in the church or they have some sort of church background or history and they feel like they're supposed to, they, they feel like they're, they're supposed to be at a gathering with a certain amount of songs. And then a, a, somebody giving a sermon up front, the offering plate, they, they feel like that's what church is supposed to be. They don't, um, 
they don't really see what we're doing as church. They sort of envision that, you know, it's like a small group. <laughs> um, even if worship community mission is happening, we're, you know, learning the truths of Jesus together, praying together, developing people in their gifts. We're uh, getting strategic about mission, um, really living life as a family. It's actually a, a greater, truer expression of what the church is meant to be. And yet for them, it doesn't count unless it's in a building on a Sunday, you know, with a professional clergy type deal. So I, I think that's usually the, the um, hiccup for people that are coming out of, you know, traditional church background. And I, I see Deb has a hand raised, but before we go there, let me, you know, just sort of drop the idea of what community looks like for what family looks like for us. One of our micro church leaders, she was talking to me uh, the other week and just nonchalant in passing, she mentioned that one of the girls in her micro church was at her house taking a nap <laughs> because she works near where, where this girl, where her house is. And because of the level of family, community, relational dy dynamics that they have, she's got, she's got a girl that'll pop in and take a nap during her lunch hour <laughs> at the other girl's house on her couch. Um, we've got people doing laundry at our house. Uh, probably two thirds of our micro churches have vacationed together at some point. Uh, we're coaching youth sports together. Um, as Steve said, we eat a lot of meals together, not, not just for the weekly sort of let's touch base and strategize and pray and learn and read and, um, you know, get, get real strategic. But throughout the week, we're hanging out at each other's houses, sharing a lot of meals with each other. It's these extended stretches of time. I mean, we, we got people that um, actually share the codes to their house. I'm not going to be home, but go ahead and use my place. You can have a, I'm going to be away this weekend, but you can have a barbecue at my house. You know, my, my yard's better for it. Go for it. You can use my place. Um, we actually, it's less like an event that people show up on whatever night of the week for a meal and then sit in, in a circle in the living room and more like a family in the way that um, everybody's participating in cooking together. There'll be all kinds of pots and pans out, stovetops going. Um, people are cooking together. They're cleaning up together. The, the kids are cleaning together. It's sometimes we stress ourselves out and feeling like we got to run everything, cook everything, clean everything, facilitate everything. And really, if you think of it as being a, a family together, you want everyone to have chores. <laughs> hey, could you take the trash out? Um, I cooked. Could you do my dishes? Right. We're all a family here. We're hanging out here. Um, it's, it's actually really encouraging. And you learn a lot about people who wants to serve, who doesn't want to serve, who wants to go to the parties, but never wants to clean up. <laughs> you, you learn quite a bit. And it's a part of stretching people outside of their comfort zone and, and teaching them to, to step forward. And just like any family, I think uh, there's a variety of, of different settings or environments that you enjoy together. I feel like if you want to be a family, um, think about your, your nuclear family. You know, if you're married, have kids, um, 
are, are you always in one location or are you in a variety of locations? You, you probably are outside of the house sometimes. You're in the yard. You, you go other places to have fun. You know, hopefully if, if there's some healthiness there and desire to care for other people, there are things you do to help other people together, right? So you're serving other people, you're playing, you're taking trips, you're going to the park, you're going to sporting events. All that stuff is happening with our, our micro church as well. I mean, we, we go to sporting events together. We, we just went and saw the Harlem Wizards with a bunch of our kids. We, you know, go to the park and invite neighbors and people from our micro church. We're, we're eating here, we're eating out, right? There's a lot of stuff that, that goes on, but it's a larger picture, I, I think. And I'm just sort of scratching the surface. I know Steve's probably chomping at the bit with some examples or pictures here too, but I wanted to kind of whet your appetite a little bit for, it's not just, it, it's very easy to sort of say, you know what, we're going to be different. And you just take the idea of church, shrink it into somebody's living room and do the same stuff you would do on a Sunday. And it's not much more of a picture of what it means to be a family than what people do on Sunday. It's just in a smaller environment. And we, we got to really think about what does it look like to share our lives in a variety of settings and a variety of ways where we can have fun and serve. So Steve, where's your head go, man? Yeah, I mean, uh, yes, and amen to all that. Our community has been on vacations together. I remember once a number of years ago, um, we were just do, sharing life with one another and on the, on the journey with Jesus. And oftentimes the environments that are outside of, you know, uh, praise, preaching, prayer, uh, intentional gatherings like that, which I would say yes, and amen to all that, although it's utterly insufficient to become family in and of itself. Um, it was the times where, you know, we throw backyard barbecues and bonfires and cornhole tournaments where our neighbors and uh, other unbelieving friends in our neighborhood and, and networks uh, came together. And all of a sudden these relationships start cross pollinating. And it was really cool. A few years back, um, one of our neighbors at four houses down on this side uh, who became friends with somebody else in our church community. And then we were building a friendship with them and the neighbor on, uh, immediately to our other side, all of a sudden the, 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 the shared value of enjoying camping came out in some way. And, uh, the one neighbor, he's like, yo, I've been going camping in Maine at Rangeley lakes my entire life. So that's like 37 years at this point. He's like, me and the family are going in August. You guys want to come? Somebody else around the bonfire. I was like, oh, that sounds cool. Well, why don't you guys grab a, a site too? Next thing you know, uh, there were 36 people on this camping trip, 11-hour drive uh, from where we live. And a handful of them were from this guy's original family core group. A handful were from the neighborhood who had not yet pressed into Jesus. And a handful were from our church community it was just such a beautiful and, and enjoyable experience uh, to see this kind of thing happen. And more mission took place in environments like that than I could even ever began to manufacture or had even ever prayed for at that point uh, prior to that experience. You know, and environments and, and opportunities like that shape the kind of deeply trusting relationship with uh, for example, my other neighbor who, um, you know, they've still not pressed into Jesus, but you know what, when they come to find out that one of their close friends from childhood, who they've been friends with since fifth grade, 
just got arrested two weeks ago uh, for luring a 13 year old in and seeking to meet them at the Walmart and their lives are crushed and heartbroken and their whole friend group who we've now become friends with because we've been hanging out with for the last few years seems crushed and besides themselves. They invite us over for a beer and a meal and share their hearts on what's going on. And we have an opportunity to love our friends in the ways that Jesus has loved us. And it's stuff like that, that I can't make up or manufacture that interestingly enough, church's family actually allows a church on mission to occur in so much more organic and meaningful ways. So that's what really came to mind for me. But did, did, I was curious, what, what did Deb have to say? I saw her hand up as well. Yeah. De- um, well, you know what, why don't we, why don't we just put Deb on, feedback number one after we end the webinar because yep. we got people tuning in later amen yeah, so, good call. so we could so we can have some good group dialogue and she can be the first person to to participate there for sure um yeah i i think that uh um t- to my point about vacation have you done that i'm sure you have gone on vacation with with your missional community or micro church i'll tell you what you learn a lot about people <laughs> you you learn who can cook you learn who wears the pants <laughs> you 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 learn you learn who who likes to have fun you learn who's able to say they're sorry yeah. um i you know we have one guy who tripped um we were setting up a volleyball net and he tripped and just acted really dramatic and put his foot up like he was hurt. He was fine. He was just being a drama queen, right? But you, you learn all these different things about people when you vacation with them. And like, yeah. you know, you're you're out throwing a ball with your kid and someone else's kid on the beach. And you have to look at one of the other parents and go, are you going to throw the ball too? Or am I just going to play with your kid the whole time and my yeah. kid? And so you're, you're drawing people out right? And you discover stuff that you can't really hide, right? Mm-hmm. Stuff comes out, people lose their temper, get agitated. There's a little interpersonal conflict two or three days in, right? Be- between one couple and another couple over something. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, you, you left your junk out and the living room's dirty and this, that, whatever. But that's that's where we really get to help shape people. That's where we understand what what we're struggling with. And, you know, it's where you, you and I even get to model for other couples apologizing to our spouses. I'll tell you, there's, there's very few things that are more, uh, you know, beneficial for a community than to watch their leader model humility in front of them because they just said something snippy or they, they were irritable just like, Hey, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that, or I shouldn't have said it that way. And maybe you got a couple that they never, ever apologize, or if they do it, maybe they do it over text later. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they just can't like get it out face to face, but it, it's some of that sharing life that I think it requires extended stretches of time and summer, which is coming up is great for that. If you can create space where you spend an, an entire day with people you know, day trips, go to a lake or a beach or the mountains or hang out in someone's backyard at a pool, spend the day. When you get a long stretch, some, sometimes it's after a couple meals and into the evening and you're just hanging out and music's playing and people are falling asleep, taking naps and 
then you get talking and people just start sharing their thoughts and, you know, curiosities. And I've always wondered about this, where they get comfortable enough to be brave and to share some of their deepest doubts about faith with you. And that's, that's when you really get to be a family because some of my most precious conversations with my kids happen later on in the day, later in the evening, at bedtime, of course, when you're trying to get them to fall asleep, in the car when you're driving, pushing them on the playground. And I think faith community is the same way. You, you can't just stick it into a two-hour container either and think that you're going to do a good job of shaping somebody else's life. You, you got to have longer stretches of time. You agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. Even just hearing you say that reminds me of one time when we were out, 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 you know, up in Maine camping and one guy's peeing off the dock into the lake. And the other guy who prior to this uh, would have rec- uh, self-identified as an atheist, you know, he's personally offended. And this guy is the guy who's never gets offended by anything. He's totally chill. And all of a sudden, yo, man, why are you peeing on- in the lake? Right. This whole conflict ensues that ironically was not super serious quickly worked out but even just a, an opportunity like that ended up creating a bridgeway for recognizing that 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 there was something within the one friend about God's creation that stirred up his imagination for the possibility of God to exist and we ended up having a pretty rich conversation about that and and he admitted he's like yeah if there's anything that does make me think there's a god it's when i get up to a place like this and can look around and see the mountains around me and the the purity of the water and the lake in front of me you know and uh i just i just love the way those kinds of unplanned uh conversations and conflict uh, uh present us with opportunities you know even as you just express the value I remember uh, one one thing that draws out my inner a-hole more than many other things is uh, trying to set up camp, you know, and uh, we got there and a handful of others come to help. And next thing you know, I'm snapping at my wife and finding myself in that same tension point of going, all right, I really believe in what I say I believe in to half the people who are here helping right now who are a little skeptical, but curious. Uh, it's the opportunity to model it when I apologize to her in front of other people you know, and uh, that, that really helps to break down some of the, the cultural presuppositions of the church as well. I just heard it the other day said, you know, church is full of hypocrites. Well, we all are, and we've been saying that and knowing that for a long time, but it's good to be able to say in the midst of falling far short of, uh, of God's beautiful standard, oh man, I was such an asshole right there. I'm really sorry. Would you forgive me? Uh, that that just opens doors for deeper trust and and more relationship to occur. So yeah, uh, I I love the conversation. Um, I love opportunities to get outside of the norms of how the church gathers, because those things really do happen there. But it can be scary because it's unplanned. Uh, we can't control mm-hmm. it. Uh, we got to trust that Jesus is up to something bigger and better than us. Uh, and that definitely puts me on my heels at times, uh, and also draws me into learning to trust Him better. Anyway, what else is on your mind on this topic, Mike? Well, Steve, man, I, I love it when people stay late, for sure. Yeah, I don't necessarily like it when they come early, though. <laughs> <laughs> they show up early and are, we procrastinate on cleaning the house. Right. And 
And and that's Do the mad that's, rush before they show up. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing like starting your evening with sin because you're <laughs> frustrated and annoyed because not everything's ready and people showed up 20 minutes early. Right. right. But but yeah, man, I, I think you're right. I think confession, I think that that core competency as a community, I, I really feel like if we do that every time we get together, that we break bread and common union, right? That's what communion is, common union around the meal, around our inability and our brokenness that Jesus was broken for us. And we, we get to just talk about, man, I'm, I'm a mess, but Jesus called you and I both perfect. He, he declared us that, and that's a gift, isn't it? And to be able to come together and toast like that, you know, Steve, I teach, like I teach my kids a lot of things, but I don't really have planned and structured lessons. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but my kids are really being incredibly shaped, but without organized lesson plans, right? Um, it's usually done through sharing what I've learned or just read something and I share it at the table and it sparks a conversation or ask some meaningful questions. And many of our formational conversations happen on the way to sports practices or dance practice or whatever, or bedtime when they're stalling. Um, so I think the most important thing is, is maybe not necessarily what, what you teach, but who you are becoming as you share your life with other people and am I becoming obsessed with Jesus and he's, he is my life. Right. And Christ in us being the hope of glory that man, that just, you, you can't help, but have the stuff that you're passionate about ooze out of you with, yeah. with the people that you're close with. And if you spend extended stretches of time with people and Jesus is the center of your life, um, they're going to know. <laughs> I mean, you just can't hide that for long. So it, I think that the core is you go, we want to be a family. We want to create space to be with people. But man, if, if we're not enjoying Jesus, then the person that they get to know isn't going to be shaping them into Christ's likeness. Mm. So I, I think it's a enjoying Jesus and then enjoying people. And, and sometimes doing both together, you're enjoying Jesus with people and, and they're, they're seeing your, uh, your, your love and worship and obsession and idolatry of Jesus, right? He's everything to me. And that just comes out with the people that you love. So creating that space and sometimes without an agenda, Jesus shapes who we are and how we think about everything. Yeah, absolutely. Sharing what we love with who we love is often one of the great ways to enjoy and journey through life. Yeah. And Steve, I think some of it's about sacrifice when you get to know the, the people around you. We had a guy who um, he, I don't know, I don't know if it was a holier than thou type thing where he's like, I, I'm above cable. I'm above, you know, television and all that. Right. Like I actually, um, but, but he didn't see the need for any sort of entertainment. He didn't have Netflix, Disney plus cable, nothing, right. He had a television that was pretty much unused, but he had some guys he was connecting with in his neighborhood that were really into sports. And so he actually like 
like bought cable so that he could watch sports with his neighbors. It's part of, it's part of loving the people around us. If they're a part of my family, right. And if this is something that my family enjoys and my place is the place that we typically hang out, then I better get cable so that we can watch the games. Cause if I don't, they're not going to be here as often. Yeah. If I if I want to cultivate those relationships, I'm going to go get cable. So it's like thinking selflessly and uh, you know, some of it is being willing to give up our, our resources to bless other people. Sometimes it's even being willing to spend for other people. Sometimes you got to budget hospitality and everything else. And we spend a lot of money on food, Steve. Yeah, you really do. No doubt. <laughs> it's probably our, our number one expenditure is grub. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, there's no doubt that what, what we spend on tells a lot about what we value, but also who we spend time with tells a lot about what we value as well. You know, what does it say when an hour and a half or two is um, set aside for the people I call church family? Um, you know, mm-hmm. does that really give a, 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 a thorough picture of what matters most to me? And I think even just we can obviously we can easily answer that in light of just co- this conversation that that's it's hard to make that connection right it's, mm-hmm. it's it's hard to convince others that um those whom i love most are ones i spend the least amount of time with it just doesn't fit you know great relationships are developed based on quantity time and quality time like you were talking about because some of the most beautiful opportunities that we have with people is the unplanned and unscheduled that, you know, out of the quantity time erupts God-given quality moments um, where we feel and experience love, you know, and isn't that the great longing of the human heart to, to know and be loved by God, to know and love him, and then to know and love others and be loved by them. You know, yep. uh, Brandon and I were just chopping it up uh, earlier about one thing that we've seen occur within uh, our community recently has just been the tendency and temptation for people to want to stay late, you know, and although for those of us who host, this often can be a great challenge. And one of the places, like you said, where, you know, we're faced with uh, an opportunity to sacrifice our own comforts. um, One of the most beautiful signs, I think, of seeing Jesus at work in a community that's drawing others together is when uh, they, they, they just enjoy being together you know, um, and out of the overflow of that thing, there's spiritual family, that the spiritual family is seen and experienced out of that kind of overflow. I love it. That's a, that's a good point, Steve. I, I think uh, maybe a good test is, do you feel like you have to entertain? Hmm. Because if you feel like you have to entertain, or you feel like you have to keep the conversation going, maybe you all don't feel like family yet. Yeah. Because if I'm with my family, you know, you are free to just fall asleep on the couch. You could mm-hmm. talk or not talk. We could sit on the back patio and listen to music or stare up at the stars or whatever, watch a game. But I don't feel like I have to entertain you. I don't feel like I have to be interesting. I don't feel like I have to keep the conversation going because you're family. If I feel like that, maybe, maybe we just haven't progressed enough in our relationship maybe it's still like an event that i'm putting on that you're coming to but we don't know each other well enough to just relax together i think that's a big part of it man like 
really being together in a way where you feel like I, I don't have to be impressive for you. We've, we've gotten to that place. Isn't it great that we can just be together? And isn't it great that we also share this journey with Jesus together? It's a beautiful thing. Yeah. 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 What a great self-diagnosis in reality. And not in any way to throw shade or condemnation for those of us who are just on the journey, because we all are anyway. But, you know, it is, uh, am I often tempted to perform, you know, uh, do I feel free to ask anyone present for help? You know, um, am I, when I, when I get pooped, uh, do I kick them out or just sit down and say, I'm exhausted. I'm chilling. I'm kicking back right now. You know, a am I comfortable or willing to, to confess the things that I otherwise would be tempted to hide? You know, those are some, just some great uh, signs that family is, is continuing to develop among a community of Jesus people. What's, what's cool. What's cool, Steve, is I've, I've told people and I'm not the only one. A number of our our community communities have done something like this, where you've said to people, "Hey, listen, it's late. I got to get up early. I'm going to bed. You can stay." We've like had people stay. I'm like, just make sure you turn the alarm on on your way off, <laughs> on your way out. It's just kind of cool that there's that level of relationship that you feel free to do that, and not that you necessarily have to kick them out, but you also don't feel stuck. Like there's a, a comfortability even in the dialogue. So yeah, I think church is family. That's being mother, brother, sister. That's sharing the journey and sharing the table is getting to that level of we, we should love each other even with our very lives, willing to give up our lives for each other. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so many people say that in word, but it's like, I don't even know that I'm comfortable to like, let there be awkward silence with you. Like, how could, how could we even call that being a good family? I, I yeah. think we've got to get beyond some of that surfacey stuff together. Yeah, and that, and that just really begs the question, God, what, what is the next uncomfortable step that, that you're calling me to take? You know, where, where, what's the next uh, cultural boundary that I might uh, break or bust in effort to be a more intimate spiritual family? You know, um, I think that in the face of, of being willing to step into some of those uncomfortable places that you've described, you know, some people I think could hear stories like this and go, eh, nah, I'm just not sure I'm comfortable with that, you know, for a lot of good reasons. Um, but here's the appeal. Um, when we take those kinds of risks, we open the door for something even more profound, beautiful, powerful to occur um, that Jesus can create among us. And I think that's what our hearts long for. And, and Steve, this is where when, when I share the story of someone in our community who had, had $10,000 in debt because of a major medical situation that came up, the guy almost died and helicopter ride and his heart exploded and it was a huge thing. Um, another couple in our, in our community, when we're talking about their medical bills and all that stuff said, how much? And they're like, $11,000. Right. And, and they right there in, in my living room, pulled out a checkbook and wrote an $11,000 check. They, they said, it's, you know, that's what we have in our savings. And if you need it now, so that you're not in debt, we can make it week to week. Here you go. 
out of our savings because you're family. Now you don't get that when you're an acquaintance at a meeting. Yeah. But when you really feel like family and you're sharing life together, you know, that's where you you sell a a piece of land and distribute the proceeds to all as any had need. Mm-hmm. Right. That's that's that acts to church that yeah. says nothing that I have is mine. It's all Jesus's. And if we're a family, that means your needs are mine. I am my brother's keeper, right? And this is part of what it means to be a a spiritual family. Um, And to to Chelsea's point, yeah, we had a guy that would always bring like a can of baked beans unopened. (laughs) As his contribution and drop it on the table. Be like, here you go. I participated. (laughs) Hey, by the way, bro, you want to learn how to cook? Why don't you come early next week? everybody's everybody's got that you know that cousin who shows up like just to eat the cake and doesn't bring anything for sure that's part of being a family too (laughs) that's all right great meals are often developed based on an eclectic mix of spices and herbs 100 percent yep develop flavor um hey thank you everyone who tuned in it's great to have you um And we look forward to processing this a little bit more next week, 10 a.m. noon, 2 p.m. Eastern time. So have a good one.